I was adopted at three months from South Korea. I was in an orphanage. You know, God handpicked me out of all the kids in this world in 1986 to fly thousands of miles across the Pacific and then the U.S to end up with Al and Diana. My mom and dad knew that they always wanted to have kids and that they always wanted to adopt, and so I'm in a blended family. Um, I'm one of four, but I'm also one of two kids in our family that's been adopted. You know, the Bible says, though our father and mother may forsake us, the Lord will receive us. The Lord will take care of us, um, no matter what. God calls us to care and love for two very specific populations, the orphans and the widows. And so here at Northridge, I think it's so cool that we are able to kind of fulfill God's call for us. We want to be a church that's raising up the next generation. We want to be a church that provides hope to children. And I think it's so important because there are 400,000 children in the United States that don't have someone to call mom and dad, that don't have someone to tuck them in at night and remind them how awesome they are. Jesus would want us to love them. He asks us to love them. And that's where our church family comes in. Well, good morning. It is so great to see you. Thank you for being here at Plymouth. Also want to welcome our regional campuses. It's great to see Northridge, Celine, Northridge, Brighton, Northridge, Grosseal, and they're live streaming with us. We appreciate that so very much. And you might not know, all around the world, people are live streaming right now our service. And we're, it's a great week to be here. It's a great week to do that because we're starting a brand new series called About Me, About Me my favorite topic. <laughs> Actually, that's not what it's about. Uh, about Me is a very popular title for online profiles or resumes. You've probably seen them. They title it About Me and then they go on and talk about uh, their lives or work experience or for relationship sites, etc. And the truth is many of us have written them. And if we're honest, what we say in our About Me's is often, well, a little bit inflated. Maybe, uh, maybe a lot inflated, right? Because when, when we write about me, we're, we're wanting people to like us, to think highly of us, to, to choose us for something. So we try to make it appear that we are in control of our lives, that everything is great, that we can handle almost everything. But, but when we're alone, forced to look at ourselves in the mirror, there's no hiding from our reality. Our, our about me significantly changes. 
I mean, we have to admit who we really are. We see ourselves as not in control, as not able to handle most things very well, as not being the perfect choice for whatever we're talking about, as not being so great, more like broken. And this is where God comes in. Whether you know it or not, God's written an about me, a a profile of himself, the Bible. And, And here's what I've discovered in the Bible. It's when I'm facing the reality about me that I most need to experience the reality of God in my life. You see, he's the only one who knows everything about me. Truth is, he knows the real about me even better than I do. He knows everything about me, and yet he still chooses me. He still loves me. He still wants to be in relationship with me, and the same is true for each and every one of us. Every one of us has needs, great needs, profound needs, and And God has given himself a name for each of our needs. He's the solution for each of our needs. Most people don't even understand this, but God's names are often what he called himself in response to our cries of need. We would cry that we need provision, and he'd say, oh, it just so happens that I'm the God who provides. For every one of our needs, God's given himself a name. He's the solution. And all we have to do is recognize it and turn to him and and trust him. And that's what this series is going to be about. I, I hope you'll get this sentence. When the truth about me confronts the truth about God, it has the power to change everything. I'm so excited that you're here this weekend, whether you're here in Plymouth or one of our wonderful regional campuses or watching online somewhere around the world. I'm so glad you're connecting to this talk because because the power of God's truth has the chance to profoundly change our lives if we'll let it. And that's what I'm hoping and praying for during this series called About Me. It's really not about us, it's about Him. It's about His great about me that can transform our lives. This weekend, I want to share the foundational truth that really gets us there. And it's a simple truth, but it's a very impacting truth. It's the idea that Jesus came into this world to make God known to us. I mean, he really did. He he came into this world so that we could connect with God, understand God, experience God as he really is. Because if we're honest, it's pretty tough to understand God as human beings because we're flesh and blood. We we experience each other in the realm of the senses, but God exists outside of the realm of senses. And so it's, it's very tough to understand him. So Jesus took on flesh and blood and walked within the realm of senses to show us exactly what God was like to help us to know him. In fact, Jesus said it in John 17, verses 25 and 26. He gives him a name. Righteous father, he calls him. And then he says, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you've sent me. And I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, they may experience. It may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus came to make God known to us, to share his names and then to live them out. 
But I think I have to back up and, and share the important reality that the purpose of names today as we understand them is very, very different than the purpose of names and the idea of names back in Jesus' day and in Bible days. I mean, in our day, here in the 21st century and in the late 20th century, names were really all about picking something that you thought sounded cool, you know? It's like it didn't matter what it meant. Did, did we like that name? Does it sound cool for our kid? Right? My, my parents and named me Brad. You know what it means, right? Broadfield. Thank you, Mom and Dad, very much for that meaningful name. It's like it's, it didn't mean anything to them, but they liked the name. And the same with all of ours, basically. It's a cool name. And now, kids, I know my kids have come up with these really cool names. I mean, it's not Tom, Sue, and Mary anymore. It's, it's just very, very different names. But, but in the Bible days, in Jesus' time, names had a huge purpose. They were meant to communicate the character of the person, the character they wanted them to have, or the character they did have. And so when God wanted to communicate his character to us, he did it by giving us his names. It helps us to know who he is. He simply named different parts of his character with different names. And this is exactly what Jesus did in this passage. He gave God the name Father. And that sounds very typical for us. I mean, even if we're not into the God thing here, and I know I'm so thankful we have so many come who haven't yet even been convinced that God's real in your life, but, but we know that a lot of people call God Father. You know, he's the Father, not the Godfather, but that's a whole different thing. But <laughs> you, you get the idea. We've heard of that. But, but that was not a common idea when Jesus walked on this planet. The concept of God as father wasn't understood by many at all. In fact, the entire Old Testament, which spans thousands of years, there's only a couple handfuls of times that God's referred to as father, and it's, it's very limited, and it's only with a couple of individuals, basically, and, and it's because they experienced what most of the world didn't know, that God is a relational God, that we really can be his children, that we really can walk with him, and they called him father, but most people did not, and yet... It was Jesus' favorite name for God. A name most people never heard, Jesus called God Father over 150 times in the four Gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He called God Father 100 times in the Gospel of John alone, one book alone. It was his favorite name. And why did he pick that name? Because he was trying to reveal God to us and who he was, the character of God to us. He, he wanted us to know how God really felt toward us. He wanted to make him known. You see, the name Father was and is the perfect word picture for communicating the truth that God loves us, that God longs for us, that God wants to be with us, that God wants us to experience him in closeness, that God is approachable. It communicates that we can personally know him and experience him in our daily lives. And so I just want you to see at the beginning of this series that the ultimate name for God is Father. This is what Jesus introduced to us. He's Father. Matthew 6, 9, when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, they had been watching him pray and go, you pray differently than us. It's not words of ritual and words of form and words written by other people. You, you pray to God with intimacy and you pray personally. Teach us to pray that way. And 
He says, this is how you should pray in Matthew 6, 9. Our heavenly father. You see, he's not just my father. He's your father. Our heavenly father. Hallowed be your name. This is your name. You want to be our father. You're approachable. You're a relational God. What an awesome thing. But, but I have to tell you here from our perch in the 21st century, sometimes this name doesn't really do it for us. I mean, let's be really, really honest because we live in this very imperfect world. Not everyone hears the name Father in positive terms. For many, there are some very negative connotations associated with the name Father because, you know, the idea of Father has bad news, good news to it. And, and the bad news is that there are different kinds of human fathers in our human experience, right? Right? I hear Father and see it through the lens of my experience and you hear Father and you see it and feel it through the lens of your experience and, and some can be good and some can be very, very bad. In fact, there are some fathers who abuse their children, neglect their children, betray their children, fail to support their children, leave their children and fail to even express any kind of love at all for their children. So imagine how someone like that experiences the idea that God's Father I can't tell you how many times I've been told personally by people that I've had the privilege of being pastor to who have said, I don't like to hear that God's father because that really pushes me away from him rather than drawing me close to him. It causes some people to literally think of God in only negative terms. And the reason is that if God is a father, they want to stay as far away from him as possible because every relationship they've had with someone called father hurt them. And even if we had a good father, we know the polluted forms of this and, and it impacts us. And I, I, I need you to know that we all see through the lens of our experiences and we as humans, we have the, the ability to reconfigure something based upon our experience. It doesn't mean what we're figuring is true. It means that's how we see it. And I really like what our team did in setting us up for this series where we'll see that God has a name for every one of our needs, that his about me profile really is what we're all looking for and longing for in this world because they, they put this huge, huge face and head on our stage. It's about the size of my head, can you tell? That's, uh, yeah. And, and, but it's blank, and you're going to watch it over the course of the series, depending on how it's lit and what the configuration is, it will take on totally different forms and look totally different. You know, this is exactly what we do with God. We, we layer our ideas and our views and our experiences and the way this world lights up and has shadows for us upon the face of God, and it really destroys who he really is. In fact, there are four common misconceptions. We could probably come up with more before I want to communicate about God, which have resulted from people's bad view of father. Their misconceived view of fathers because of their experience. And first one is many people think God's unreasonable. You know, that he's unreasonable in his demands. He's unfair in his expectations. He's, he's all about the rules and the rules are impossible for us to keep. And God's unreasonable and God's not unreasonable. This isn't the truth about God at all. But boy, there are a lot of fathers, human fathers, who've been unreasonable, haven't there? And so we hear God's father and we see him that way and through that lens. There are many who have the misconception that God is unreliable. 
I mean, God, you just can't, you can't, look, and I know he said that, but that's not true. And I know that he said that, but that's not true. You can't count on him. You can't trust him. And it's, that's wrong. You, you really can trust God the Father. He is reliable. It's just that we're, we're casting the shadows of all the broken promises we've experienced from our fathers on this planet. And it's impossible for any human father to be perfect, right? And so we see God through the lens of being unreliable. There are many who have the misconception that God is unconcerned. Unconcerned. He, he just doesn't care. I mean, come on. This is a really big universe and, and he has bigger things to worry about than me. He's unconcerned. He's not seeing my life as important as it is to me because there are bigger things in the universe and he's unconcerned. And by, if we're picturing him through the lens of, of our human father experience, this would make sense, wouldn't it? Because no matter how good your father was, I mean, there had to be times when they were focused on other things, right? And sometimes they focused too much on those things. And whether those things were important, like, you know, earning a living for a family, or they were just pursuing their own dreams and staying away from family, kids know that they're not being paid attention to. Kids know that daddy's not there, and it makes them feel like they're unconcerned. And we kind of lay that lighting over God and we think, oh my gosh, he doesn't care about me. I, look, at if my dad was so concerned about going to the bank or being a teacher or going to the factory that he couldn't care about me, then, then a God who's thinking about all the big stuff in the universe certainly is not going to care about me, right? It's just not true. We're just making his face look like the face of those we've experienced. There are many who think in this world, and it's a misconception, and I don't recommend you try and use this word in Scrabble because I don't even think it's a word. I'm making it up, but they, they see God as unpleasable. And you might say, well, why are you using a word that you're kind of making up? It's not a real word. Well, because I've got enough OCD in me that if I've got three other words that start with un, I've got to have a fourth one. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be, Right? We think of God as being someone who will never be able to please no matter what we do or how hard we try. It's never good enough. And that's not true of God. But boy, many of us had fathers who didn't matter how hard we worked academically, it wasn't good enough, or how hard we worked athletically, it wasn't good enough, or we might have loved the arts and they didn't appreciate the arts because they were into athletics and whatever it was, we didn't, you know, please them. But this isn't who God is. The bad news is there are many different human fathers and we're going to interpret the word father through our human lens. But here's the good news we need to understand from God's about me, the Bible. There's only one, just one heavenly father, just one. And it just so happens he's perfect. And that's really good news. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says this truth straight up. Your heavenly Father is perfect. Your heavenly Father is perfect. And so what I thought I should do is if we're going to really lay down the baseline for us to understand that God has a name for all of our needs and these names are really ultimately the fulfillment of all we're looking for, then, then I have to correct some general ideas about fatherhood here as it relates to the application to God. And so I'm just going to go through and, and 
show you what God the Father's like so that you can finally surrender yourself to the fact that God the Father is different than our view of fathers, no matter if it's good or bad in this human journey experience of ours. Does that make sense? And so, and I'm gonna prove it a lot. I'm gonna show you that God didn't just say this about himself one time, it's multiple times. It's gonna be, sometimes I might get like a trial attorney because every once in a while I'm not an attorney, but I like to play one on the church platform, that kind of thing, you know? And, and here's the first one. It's, it's, you need to know that our Heavenly Father is always compassionate Always, not sometimes, not when things are going well. He's always compassionate. Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who are his children who fear him. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety and all your burdens and brokenness on him because he cares for you. He cares about us when we're hurting and when we're happy. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, isn't that interesting? Because of our experiences with our human relationships, very often when we're our most broken, people stay away from us. And we think that God would probably stay away from us. Why would he want us? Look how messed up I am. But it says... That's when the Lord is closest to us. He's a true father. He wants to be there to pick up the pieces of our broken lives, even when it's our fault. Our Heavenly Father is always compassionate. You know, here, this is really important to understand. He loves us even in our imperfections. I've met so many people along the way in my ministry who have thought, I, I can't know God because I'm just too messed up and you need to know that those are the ones God loves profoundly. In fact, you just need to know, and this is so important, God can't love you any more or any less than he does. Doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done, he can't love you any less, anymore. Our Heavenly Father's always compassionate. In fact, our Heavenly Father, because he's truly a good father, is always trustworthy, always, not sometimes, not when it seems things are going right, but he's always trustworthy. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift, not the bad junk that comes because of our own brokenness and the brokenness of others in this world, but every good and perfect gift, that comes from above. You know, it comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights, the one who created the lights in the universe. He's our Father and he's given good gifts. And know this, he doesn't change like shifting shadows. I know we live in a world where in relationships, one minute a person can be just positive and the next they can be negative. They, they shift like the sands on a beach with the rolling waves on it, but God doesn't. God is always trustworthy. 2 Timothy 2.13, if, if we're faithless, even when we're blowing it, he still remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. It means he cannot change his character. He can't go against his character and he's a good father. He's trustworthy. Our heavenly father is always available. Now think about that. When you think of what you long for in a father or what you long to be as a father if you're one, you, man, you want to be available. And I know everybody's different, but with me as a dad, I had a really, really busy dad. He was a good dad, a great dad, but really, really busy. And, and I have a career that's kept me busy. And the one thing I really longed for with my kids was to be available, available. I wanted them to know I was there for them. And so, you know, I had the whole open door policy and 
They, I always had a phone number where they could call, a private number where they could call and they could reach me at any moment in time. I never wanted to be too busy for them. Um, but you know, the truth is it doesn't matter how much I wanted to be available because of space and time and the limitations of my humanity. I couldn't be. Like right now, I have, I have three kids in this world. They're adult children. One lives in New York. One lives in South Lyon. Those are my two daughters. And then there's my son, Blake. Who the crap knows where he is right now? I don't know, but <laughs> you... Just kidding, but, but my point is, even though I'm available, even though I want to talk to them right now, they can't connect with me because I'm connecting to you, right? So it doesn't matter how hard I tried. You know, I, I failed. And the truth is we're mortal. We, we, each and every one of us, are going to stop breathing at some point. And let me just tell you something. 17 years ago, I watched my dad stop breathing, and it was the last time I was ever able to talk to him. He's just not available to me anymore. This person that, as I've gotten older, realized he was wiser than I ever knew, I, I, he's not available to me anymore. But I have found and been able to get through that because my Heavenly Father is always available. He's not mortal. He doesn't stop breathing. and He can be talking to you and me at the same time. He's an unbelievable Father. Acts 17, 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from each and every one of us. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. He's available. And know this, it gets even better than this, this good news about this heavenly father who's perfect. Our heavenly father's always involved, always involved. I mean, some of us had fathers that tried to be involved, but generally, weren't they more involved in the areas that they were concerned about than the areas you were concerned about? Of course. It's, it's human. But our Heavenly Father's always involved with us fully. In fact, let me just kind of parse this out a little bit. I, he, he's so involved that he always knows all our needs. Now, it's impossible for a human father to know all a kid's needs. Even if they're asking, the kid's not going to tell and then understanding the language of that. But God knows all of our needs. And as much as I wanted to be a great father, I have to be honest with you. I mean, there were times I didn't even remember my kids' names, right? Seriously. Who are you again? Oh, yeah, that's right. The guy that wants money. That's right. I remember you. <clears throat> But God knows all of our... Look at Matthew 6, 31 and 32. We don't get it. Jesus said, you're worrying about the things that most people are worrying about. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Come on, all these things. As if your father doesn't know, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. And I have to tell you, as much as I love God and you know, look to him as my father, I, I have a hard time buying this. And I know this just by my own behavior. I mean, praying, isn't that a good thing? I'm praying to my Heavenly Father. You're my Heavenly Father. I'm praying. I'm trying to be in conversation with you. And yet, you know what I do in my prayers more than anything else? I report information that I think he's missing. <laughs> Don't you do this when you're praying? I'm like a journalist writing a column for a newspaper I hope he'll read. You know, God, Tom's an idiot, and I hope you'll kill him. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm a pastor, but I have feelings, you know, seriously. 
And I'm telling him all these things, like, I need this, I need this. And he's up there going, would you spend time with me? He always, he's so involved that he always meets our needs. He always meets our needs. You go, wait a minute, he's not meeting my needs. Oh, I bet he is. He's certainly not giving you your wants. And can I tell you, one of the rotten things that human fathers do is they meet too many of their kids' wants and not enough of their needs, but God is not like us. And this is important to understand. You say, I have a need to be on the mountaintop. You'll never get to a new mountaintop until you walk through the valley and he knows your needs and he'll meet them. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, all of your needs. He's involved. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's so involved, he's always willing to help. I mean, always willing to help. Imagine that, always no matter what. There were things I loved to do, and so when one of my kids would say, hey, you wanna do this? Go, yeah. But when they came to me with something they wanted to do, but I didn't really like it, I'd go, how about us watch golf? Or something like that, right? It's like, I didn't always wanna help. Psalm 121, one and two, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth wants to help us. In fact, he's so involved in our lives that and this is crazy involved. The Bible is about me. The Bible tells us that he even knows how many hairs are on our head. Now, I know for some of you, that's no big deal. But for the rest of us, <laughs> right? Yeah, sorry, that was a bald joke in case you missed it. But he's involved in the, the big things, the macro things. You look into the heavens and you see the glory of God, you take a telescope, you see it, but he's also involved in the micro things. You look through the most powerful microscope on the planet and start breaking apart the parts of an atom and you see God's structure and involvement. He's involved. Our heavenly father, unlike human fathers, even the best of human fathers, our heavenly fathers are, he's always able. Our heavenly father is always able. We're not always able. Even if we have the want to, we don't have the ability. I, I, I relearned this recently. Um, Roxanne and I had the privilege of, of watching our, four of our grandchildren for a week recently. Roxanne said I was supposed to say it was a privilege. Um, <clears throat> and it was. But they... They came home from school and they had like math stuff they needed help with. And I have to tell you, I wasn't able, and this is really embarrassing. They're nine, eight, and six. <laughs> I don't know what that X means. You know, I don't know what that means. And it was like, I, I, I had to Google it. <laughs> Dear Google, you know, I'm not able. But God is able. And you know what makes me so sad in my own life and certainly for your life? We struggle through life day after day when we have a father we could turn to who's able. 
2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every work. Jesus told us in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. I have to tell you, when I was a kid, we had arguments on the playground about whose dad is better. Well, when God is your father, no one else can compete. Which leads me to an important question. Can you say that God is your father? This is the whole thing. You see, the reality about us is that we can't live without a father. We can't live without our heavenly father. We can struggle through and we can make it without a human father. That's true. But we can't make it without the heavenly father. He's the source of life and fullness of everything we need. And when we know him, we start living. But when we don't, we struggle and exist. Can you say that God is your father? So many of us are complaining about the things that only God the Father can give us and he comes alongside us and he says, I get your problem and I get your need, but that's okay. My name is Father and I wanna be yours. Will you turn to me? Will you trust me? Will you let me? Here's what you need to know, regardless of the good or bad experience that you've had with your earthly father or with earthly fathers, you can know God as your father and he is perfect. He is never unreasonable. He is never unreliable. He is never unconcerned and he is never impossible to please. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. In fact, even when you forsake him, he remains faithful to you. And here's the truth that I want you to get. God only runs one way and that's towards you. We feel like he's running away from us. He's not. We're turning our backs on him. We're running from him, but he's always facing us. And all he wants is for us to turn to him. And when we turn to him, just turn. We don't have the power sometimes to do more than just turn our head towards him. But know this, the minute you turn towards him, he runs towards you. He runs towards you. What you need is God as Father. And before we celebrate communion and have our time of worship for this weekend, I, I want you to know that you can know God as Father, but the choice is yours. And so I want to give you a couple of action steps as it relates to God as your Father. The, the first one is you need to become his child. He wants to be your Father, but not all of us know him as Father. Now, for those of you who do know God as Father, I... I would encourage you as I spend time with those who don't yet know him as father to be talking to God about being his child and him being your father and where you stand on that. But for those of you who don't yet know him as father, why don't you become his child right now? In fact, just before we go into communion, would you bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment at our regional campuses, uh, wherever you are in the world, bow just for a moment. And if you're ready to take the step into being a child of God, just take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, God, I, I want and need you to be my father. And I know I don't deserve it, 
But I know that Jesus came to reveal you to me. He died for my sin. He rose again. And now I'm asking you to forgive my sin and give me new life. Make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed, I just really want you to understand from God's about me, the Bible, what you just did. Look at John 1.12. It says, to all who received him, which is what you just did if you just prayed with me, you opened your life up, you received Jesus into your life. To those who believed in his name, what are you believing on? The name of Jesus, which is what? Savior. In communion, we're gonna celebrate the fact that he, with his body, died on the cross because the wages of our sin is death, and he died, and then he was buried and took all of our garbage and baggage into that tomb, and then he rose again to newness of life and wants to give us that. He took death for us so that we could have his life and, and be God's children. And that's what happened when you received Jesus, and there's so much to learn about that relationship. And if you prayed with me, I, I did, would you let me know? It's really easy to let me know. You take the program. If you're in one of our services, there's a little connection card in here. You rip it out and fill it out and it tells you what to do. And there are boxes at every exit at our auditoriums, all of our regional campuses as well. Just throw it in there and we're going to send you information about next steps that you can have in your relationship with God. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button. We'll do the exact same thing for you. Start growing in this relationship. He's Father and you can know him. Which takes me to the second action step. If you're... If God's your father, hey, enjoy your father. Enjoy him. I have huge regrets in my life about not spending more time with my dad when he was alive. Huge regrets. For 17 years, it's just kind of built up. Why didn't I spend more time with him? Why didn't I spend more time with him? Well, I don't want to have the same regrets about my relationship with God. Having God as our father is the greatest privilege of life. We should enjoy it. Too many of us are so consumed with the darkness of this world that we're not enjoying the beauty, love, and light of the Father. If we enjoyed the Father more than we watched our fake news outlets, <laughs> we might have a little joy in our lives, friends. Let's enjoy the Father. This is what John said in 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we are called the children of God. Oh my gosh. And by the way, when you have that kind of a father, you know what you want to do? You want to brag about him. And so if you are a child of God and you're enjoying your father, you know what you'll do? You'll share your father with the world. Too many of us are hiding the father from the world. Jesus couldn't help but share the Father because he was so proud of God the Father. He, he was so intimate with God the Father. In fact, did you know, the more intimate you are with someone, the more you use their name. Are you sharing your Father like Jesus did? It's what the world needs. This weekend, I'm so excited to come together with those of us who are children of God and to brag on our Father a little bit, to experience our Father a little bit, to enjoy our Father a bit. In fact, what I'm so excited about is together as a church family, not just with those we see, but here in Plymouth and 
there in Celine and there in Grosile and there in Brighton where we're all worshiping together at the same time. We're going to together celebrate communion and share in the beauty of our relationship with God the Father, remembering that the only reason we can have God as Father is because the only one who ever deserved it, Jesus, gave up what he deserved and died for us so that we could have what he deserved and be children of God. And in communion, we're going to celebrate that. And so as we get ready to celebrate communion, I, I want to encourage you to know that if you're a child of God and you're walking with God and enjoying him as Father, this time's for you. Sometimes people ask, well, I'm not a part of Northridge. Is that okay? <laughs> I think you can know Jesus without being a part of Northridge. It's harder. <laughs> and that's a joke. I'm just kidding. But if you're a child of God, communion's for you. But if you're not, communion's not for you. Because you see, when we take the bread, which represents his body that was sacrificed for us, we're, we're saying that by faith we have partaken of what he did with his body and, and now we're doing this in remembrance of that. And when we drink the juice, we're saying by faith we've already experienced the forgiveness that was purchased by the shedding of his blood and we're doing this in remembrance of him. But if, you're, if you've never put your faith in him and received him, then you can't make that statement, right? In fact, if you take the bread and the juice and you're not really a child of God, what you're doing is you're writing an inflated about me. You're trying to make it look like you're something you're not. And why would you do that? There's no judgment here. If you're not walking with God, if you're not a child of God, let the, let the bread and juice go by. It's no big deal. But if you're a child of God and walking with him, why wouldn't you want to celebrate the beauty of that relationship in this moment? And so if you'd stand with me at this time, at all of our campuses, those of you who are going to serve the bread and the juice, you can come forward at this time. And, and I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive these elements and I'm going to ask you to hold them, would you, until I come up and we'll receive this together. And we're going to worship at the same time. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are Father and that we can know you. And I pray that each of us would. And those of us who do know you as we celebrate communion, I pray that you'd become just a little more real again, just a little more precious, just a little bit more special in our lives. Let us enjoy you more. For the bread, for the cup that represent the body and blood of Jesus, may they really speak to us in this moment as we worship you and express our gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.
without Jesus, we're runaways, but because of Jesus, the God who runs towards us can once again embrace us as Father because we're no longer defined by our sin, but by forgiveness, by grace. And so with this bread, we remember that Jesus gave his body so that we could be made new in his forgiveness. And so we eat it in remembrance of him. And with this juice, we remember that because he shed his blood on that cross, we can be transformed by the grace of forgiveness. That no longer are we outsiders, but we're insiders in the family of God. And so for those of us who have by faith experienced it, we now remember it by drinking this juice in remembrance of him. And Jesus, we complete the prayer of that song based upon the grace of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We pray that you would live in us and may we be expressions of the beauty of our Father in a world that so desperately needs it and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.